Well, good morning. Good to see you today. My name is Josh. I'm the pastor. here. glad if you can join us online and that you can be with us. Um, hey, as we get, uh, get started, uh, for those of you, if you're interested again in discovery class, like Robin said, originally we were going to do that a couple weeks ago. So if you signed up and you're still coming, if you could find me after, afterwards today or let somebody know at the connect desk, just that way we've got a good count, we get enough food. Uh, as of right now, I think we have 17 coming tonight, so it should be a good crowd, should be a good time, but you're more than welcome. Uh, just let us know. We haven't ordered all the pizza yet, so we want to make sure we got enough. Love for you to join us. If you're online and you want to come, you can let us know in the chat as well. Well, uh, there was this government surveyor who went out to a farmer's farm. He was to do some work there. He worked for the state and the county, and he needed to, to do some work on this guy's land. So he comes up to the house and he knocks on the door and the farmer comes to the door and sees who it is and he's a little suspicious as he opens the door, yeah? He says, hi, I'm here from the county. I need to access to your field. wonder if I get your permission to go out there. And uh, the farmer says, well, no, you don't have my permission to go. He didn't trust this guy. He thought, what's he here for? Is he, are they gonna try to take some of my land? Who is this guy? And so the surveyor said, well, uh, sir, I have, I have papers here that give me authority to do that. So I, I'm just, I guess maybe now as a courtesy, I, I need to do this. Can you open up your field for me? So farmer takes him out, opens up the field where he would often graze his cattle and lets him in. And the guy's setting up his stuff while the farmer just kind of slowly walks to the other end of the field. And he gets to the other end and he opens another gate where he lets a bull in. And the bull starts charging the surveyor who takes off running for his life and leaves all his stuff there. At that point, then the farmer says, show him your papers. Show him your authority. <laughs> See if that does any good. You know, it's kind of a funny story, isn't it? And it's funny because we could see it happening. And it's funny because the reality is we're all kind of like that farmer. We kind of have that default of yeah, show me your authority, prove it, let's see it. We, we kind of have this default of even uh, maybe a little bit of rebellion towards authority. I, I think there's kind of, there tends to be one default or the other in most cultures. Um, one is uh, default towards respect and honor of authority, sometimes to a fault. And you see that in some Asian cultures. Uh, you, then on the other side, you see some cultures that have a default maybe towards rebellion and mistrust of authority, uh, sometimes toward a fault. Which one of those two do you think we default towards as Americans? Yeah, rebellion, right? Like, like our biggest holiday is centered around our independence and our rebellion. Not to say that wasn't a good thing. I'm just saying, like, that's how, I mean, think, how do we celebrate that holiday? We blow stuff up. Like, that's what we do. We have a default towards that end of the spectrum. Well, Peter, this morning in the text that we're going to be in, it's a longer text, and he describes the God-pleasing way that his followers, that those of you with us who've trusted Christ can honor and respect and should respect authority. And uh, for us, maybe we need to be, we're, we're probably gonna come at it from the lens of maybe a mistrust at times of authority, but uh, we should respect and honor our authority. So with that, let me pray. Uh, we're gonna open up the text this morning. We'll read from Peter and... Um, We'll unpack it together. Sound good? Let me pray. 
Father, thank you for Jesus. Thank you that he is he's the perfect example of one who, um, who submitted to your authority, Father, who uh, even submitted to unjust authority as he walked the earth and suffered under that unjust authority. Yet uh, the whole of every moment he did good by you and by people. He never sinned. And he's a great example to us of, of how to submit in a way that honors you. So would you uh, give me grace as I teach and give us grace as we hear and learn from your word? Might my words be your own and um, might you change us, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. My voice is a little better, still hacking a little bit, but it kind of comes and goes at times, so bear with me here. If I, if I slow down, I'm not getting emotional. I just, I need a drink. Sound good? Hey, well, uh, 1 Peter chapter 2, if you want to turn there with me, we're going to start in verse 13. And uh, Peter starts like this in verse 13. He says, uh, be subject for the Lord's sake to every human institution. Uh, we'll just stop there a minute. How, how many does that include? Which institutions? Yeah, everyone, right? Like, it's just pretty clear. We don't even need to slow down there, but it's important for us to remember because maybe we read that and we go, I don't know, Peter, every institution, I bet Peter didn't, I bet Peter didn't know that there are some institutions that maybe aren't that great to submit to. I bet he forgot about that or that God forgot to have him put that in. Do you think that's true? No, no. In fact, look what he continues to write. He says, whether it be to the emperor as supreme or to governors as sent by him to punish those who do evil and to praise those who do good. Friends, as we get started this morning, um, what Peter's saying when he says to be subject to every human institution, to, to the emperor as supreme or to the governors he sends out, uh, he, he's saying submit to authority. Submit to authority. Be subject to it. Yield to it. Honor it. Come under it. That's God's design. Now, right away, again, which way did we default? Towards that rebellion, right? So right away, I can already, I can feel it. Yeah, but Josh, like sometimes we gotta, we gotta make a stand. We gotta fight, right? right? Do you feel that? Just hold on to that. Just receive the text as it is for now. We'll talk about some of that, but just, just receive this, okay? Peter says, uh, whether to the emperor as supreme. Now, in verse 13, Peter didn't, miss the fact that there are some unjust people in authority. In fact, do you know in his day and to the people he's writing to, they were persecuted for their faith simply for being Christians. And the emperor was likely either, we're not 100% sure on the, the exact timing of this writing, but it was either Claudius or uh, potentially Nero. And in the Roman Empire, it wouldn't have been unlike North Korea today where uh, emperor worship was commanded. And if you didn't worship the emperor, especially when you get to Nero, guess what happened to you? You were killed. Uh, Nero, even when he would have, have parties, uh, part of the entertainment and part of the ways that he would light the party would be to take a Christian, uh, put him on a pole, douse him with oil, and light him on fire. It's, it's well documented through history. And what, so I don't think Peter missed the fact that, or made a mistake when he said, be subject to every institution. To the, whether to the emperor supreme or to the governors that, that he sends out, 
They're sent by him to punish those who do evil and to praise those who do good. You know, one of the things uh, Peter draws our attention to here is that our perfect God uses imperfect people to carry out his will. Our perfect God uses imperfect people to carry out his will. And uh, including leaders in the government. You know, uh, Paul wrote something very similar to what Peter writes here over in Romans chapter 13. If you've got your Bible, you can uh, turn back there with me a few pages to Romans chapter 13. It'll also uh, be on the screen for you. But, but notice what, what Paul writes. It really parallels what Peter is teaching us this morning. He says, let every person be subject to the governing authorities. Well, why do you say that, Paul? Well, he says, for there is no authority except from God. And those that exist have been instituted by who? By God. Hmm. So therefore, whoever resists the authorities resists what God has appointed. And those who resist will incur judgment. What does that, what does that tell you? I don't know who you voted for. Don't care a whole lot. But whoever's in authority in our world, in terms of government authority, who ultimately gave them that position? God did. And that's what the text says, right? We believe the Bible. That's what it says. God's the one who put them there. And whose servants are they, ultimately? Let's keep reading. They're God's. Let's keep reading. Would you, do you have uh, verse three? For rulers are not a terror to good conduct, but to bad. Would you have no fear of the one who's in authority? Then do what's good, and you'll receive his approval, for he is God's servant for your good. Hmm. He's God's servant. Those who are in authority are ultimately there because of God's grace and his goodwill and his plan. And they're there for your and I is good. Isn't that a good thing? Aren't you thankful for people who are willing to step into those roles and whom God has appointed to those roles? It's a great thing. But ultimately, they're God's servants. But, but so, if you do wrong, Paul writes, be afraid. For he does not bear the sword in vain. For he is the servant of God, an avenger who carries out God's wrath on the wrongdoer. God uses imperfect people, our perfect God uses imperfect people to carry out his will. Therefore, one must be in subjection, not only to avoid God's wrath, but also for the sake of conscience. For because of this, you also pay taxes. I don't know, Josh, really? Where are we going here? I gotta pay taxes to a government that maybe uses the taxes I pay for immoral purposes and wrong purposes? Well, uh, Jesus said, give to Caesar what's Caesar's. And there was pretty horrible things happening in that day. Paul tells us here to pay our taxes, to whom taxes are due. And his government, they did pretty awful things. So I'm gonna side with Jesus and Paul and say, yeah, we gotta pay our taxes, even if they're used for immoral things. Because look at this, those who receive those are whose servant? God's. So who is ultimately accountable then for how those things are used? God's servants. 
For he's a servant of God, an avenger who carries out God's wrath on the wrongdoer. Therefore, one must be in subjection, not only to avoid God's wrath, but also for the sake of conscience. For because of this, you also pay taxes. For the authorities are ministers of God attending to this very thing. Pay to all what is owed them. Taxes to whom taxes are owed. Revenue to whom revenue is owed. Respect to whom respect is owed. Honor to whom honor is owed. Uh, we're to submit to authority, friends. It's a God-honoring thing. I wonder whose, whose authority are you under? Whose authority are you called to submit to? We all are under authority of some sort. And uh, in the same way, when we get back, we're gonna turn back to Peter now, but Peter really addresses um, what it's like to be under authority. Paul, when he talks about authority, talks not only about what it's like to be under authority, but also gives instruction for those who are in authority. Um, Peter really takes it from the perspective of those under authority. So again, whose authority are you under? But, and, and then for you too, though, you might consider, even though Peter doesn't write from this perspective today, uh, who is under your authority? And how are you leading and caring for and honoring Jesus by leading and serving them? Well, if you're a follower of Jesus, you're called to submit to authority. We've read uh, verses 13 and 14 so far, 1 Peter chapter 2. For this is the will of God, verse 15, that by doing good, you should put to silence the ignorance of foolish people. We're going to come back to that. Uh, live as people who are free, not using your freedom as a cover-up for evil, but living as servants of God. Uh, see, even though God has instituted authority, the reality is that we're all sinful. Uh, we are all messed up, including those that God has put in places of authority. And so at times, those who are in authority, some of them, not all of them, some sometimes act in an unjust way, Right? But what Peter's saying here is use your freedom now to respond in a way of doing good, not to cover up doing evil in return for an evil done. That, that our freedom is there to do good and to honor those who are in authority. Um, we saw that happen in our country this summer. The awful death of an innocent man, right? We see it on a regular basis. But then in response, there's rightly anger and outrage towards an unjust act, but that doesn't uh, excuse an unjust act in return of using our freedom to commit more evil, as some did in, in rioting and doing different things and really harming other people. That's not to say the original act wasn't awful, it was. It's terrible. But that doesn't give us freedom to retaliate in the same in like ways, right? Now, you might be like, yeah, but I didn't, I didn't do that, Josh. Yeah, right on. Okay, but what about for us, though? What about the times where maybe there's an evil done to us and we feel this freedom to, oh, I'm gonna retaliate in the same way. I, I'm just, I'm holding back that right thing. I just can't wait to say it. Or I can't wait to get on social media and type out uh, my passive-aggressive comments about this issue. And we, we retaliate back in an unjust way. no. Even when injustice has happened, we respond with good. We still honor and respect and, and thank God for the authorities we have. Um, but it doesn't give us freedom to respond to evil with evil. That's part of what Peter's saying here. And, and Peter would have known what it was like 
to experience evil at the hand of an unjust authority, wouldn't he? And so would his readers. Because some authorities, they will, they'll act unjustly. Um, in fact, let's just, let's keep reading here uh, in line with this point. Peter says in verse 17 then, uh, honor everyone, everyone, every person on the face of the earth from conception through eternity is worthy of honor. Why? Because they bear God's image. They bear the image of God. Even the people you don't like, even the people you disagree with, even the people who uh, maybe act unjustly towards you, they're still worthy of honor and dignity and respect. I'm not saying that's an easy thing to do when it's somebody like that, right? We all know that's hard, but they're still worthy of honor. And Peter says, honor everyone. Then he says, love the brotherhood. In other words, you might say, love the church. Love those, we celebrated communion today. Love those who have that common bond of unity in Jesus Christ, especially love them. Why? Well, Jesus said that people are gonna know you're my followers by your love for one another. And that's gonna spill out into love for everyone. But, but really, that's a priority of the church to love one another. Then he says, fear God. He, he's our ultimate authority. He's the one when there is an unjust authority that we'll, we'll see that we appeal to. And then uh, honor the emperor. Honor the emperor. Which means that even when I fear God and I appeal to him, I still can do so in a way that's honoring to the authorities God has put in place. Easy to say, hard to do. But uh, let's keep reading verse 18. Servants, Peter writes, be subject to your masters with all respect, not only to the good and gentle, but also to the unjust. Now, uh, your translation may say, slaves, be subject to your masters, submit to your masters. I think it's important for us to stop for a minute here and uh, just talk a little bit about What's that mean when you see uh, slaves or servants in the Bible? Um, well, the idea of a servant in the Bible or a bond servant, sometimes referred to as a slave, is most of the time often referred to somebody who is in subjection to someone else. Uh, oftentimes a bond servant with a financial relationship. So uh, I agree to come uh, live on your land to serve you, to work for you in uh, so many years, then I'll earn my freedom. And, and it, it really, there was a, an aspect of it where there was work involved for someone to have life. There were other times though, where uh, it was slavery like you think of slavery, as we do in America of American slavery, which is wrong and evil. Um, of, of subjecting somebody who bears the image of God and, and to view them as Nothing more than property with no dignity. Now, I know there were those who maybe participated in that who'd, who were good and kind, but, but, but at the root of that, uh, American slavery was likely not what Peter's talking about here. In fact, when the Bible, when it speaks of, of slavery like that, uh, look at 1 Timothy chapter 1 with me, verse 9. Paul writes this to Timothy. He says, we also know the law is made not for the righteous, but for lawbreakers and rebels, the ungodly and sinful, the unholy 
and irreligious. For those, <coughs> excuse me, who kill their fathers or mothers, for murderers, uh, for the sexually immoral, for those practicing homosexuality. Then he says, for slave traders. Your translation might say enslavers and liars and perjurers. Uh, it, it, this is the type of slavery that, that you rebel against and revile against, rightly so. And it's the type of slavery that the Bible says is sinful, that is wrong. Um, this type of slavery happens today in terms of human, tra human trafficking and sexual slavery. And it's wickedness. Uh, what's funny is people will read this and they'll respond to that, but then the list leading up to it, in our culture at least, can be more of a virtue list than a vice list. But all of them deserve God's wrath. And so the reason I, I go there is just to say when you, when you read this, you gotta understand often, uh, one, that the Bible looks at the slavery that you and I look at and say that that's wicked and evil and sinful, and it says, yes, it is. But oftentimes, when you read about slavery in the New Testament, it's, it's, a, different, it's a different thing. It's not exactly the one-to-one -one parallel with slavery suffered in our nation. That make sense? So Peter says, uh, servants, be subject to your masters. So maybe a better parallel for us uh, might be uh, workers be subject to your employers. That might be one parallel we could pull from that. I wonder, because uh, we're all under the authority of an employer, be subject to your masters, your employers with all respect. Not only to the good and gentle, but also to the unjust. I mean, we've all, we've all probably had employers who were good. Those we worked for who were good to us. Did a good thing. And we've also all probably worked for those who are unjust and who are wicked. Um, Peter still says, be subject to them, even to the unjust. Now again, there's that, really, Josh, every time? Don't worry, we'll get there. Again, just receive the text as it is. We're gonna come back to that. But, but Peter tells us to do good. He says, it's a gracious thing then when mindful of God, one endures sorrows while suffering unjustly. He says, submit to authority and do good as you submit to authority. Do good, do what's right. Be honorable, good conduct we saw over the last few weeks. Holy living, right? Do good. Well, why do you do good? Well, let's, let's go back up again now to verse 15. But one reason would be to silence the foolish. Look at verse 15, for this is the will of God, that by doing good, you should put to silence the ignorance of foolish people. How many of you are like, I know some foolish people, and they are loud. They're loud. And when you, when you respond to them, not by doing good, but maybe by using your freedom to cover up evil in return, like he says in the next verse, what happens? It gets louder, and you become foolish, Right? So, so part of doing good, even to authorities maybe who are foolish and make foolish decisions, we, we do good in such a way that um, it silences their foolishness. It might even cause them by our good conduct to turn to Jesus. Another reason is to overcome evil. I already alluded to that, but in verse 16, live then as people who are free, not using your freedom as a cover-up for evil but living as servants of God. 
doing good, uh, it overcomes evil. Uh, Paul talks about this in Romans 12, right? I think verse 21, uh, let your good overcome evil with good. Overcome evil with good. That's our right response. But, but even in all of this, guys, sometimes, um, sometimes we will still suffer. Even when we submit, even when we do everything God says to do, even when we do good, even when we honor authority, when we respect it, we submit to it, sometimes we still suffer. What gives? Why? Well, because we live in a sinful world that's in need of Jesus to rescue us. But that's why we honor everyone. That's why we love one another. That's why we fear God. That's why we honor the emperor. You know, in verse 18 and 19 there where he says, servants be subject to your masters with all respect. Uh, not only to the good and gentle, but also to the unjust. You can praise God for those who are good and gentle. For this is a gracious thing. When mindful of God, one endures sorrows while suffering unjustly. <clears throat> for what credit is it if <clears throat> when you sin, you're beaten for it? And then you endure. What credit is that to you? But if when you do good and suffer for it, if then you endure, this is a gracious thing in the sight of God. For to this you've been called because Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example so that you might follow in his steps. Now, uh, as we move forward here, let's just, uh, let's just go, go backwards because Peter talks about you know servants, their masters, so for us, uh, maybe the best parallel for us would be workers to employers and then up to government. So what about as a worker? Do I always submit? No matter what's going on, do I always just go along with it? I don't know, Josh, like there's, there's times, I'm, I'm not sure. Do I just have to endure and do whatever I'm told? Well, um, if what you're told is legal and moral, run it through that grid, and yeah, it's, it's honoring to God. It's a gracious thing for you to do that. If it's stupid and unfair, maybe especially to you, but God says, yeah, you should do that. Now, in saying that, that doesn't mean there's never a time for you to appeal and say, but in an honoring way, right? I don't, why are we doing it this way? Could we try this? That doesn't make a lot of sense to me. Help me understand. I mean, when you do that in a gracious way, who knows? Maybe the authority over you will relent and come to see things your way. And it'll be a good thing for everybody, right? But even if he doesn't, or she doesn't, then we submit because it's honoring to the Lord even if it means some suffering. Because uh, God says that's a gracious thing when I do that mindful of him in submitting. And that might be the thing you need to do to avoid being bitter is just going, okay, God, you put me here. This is really hard. I really don't want to. Help me. <laughs> and he does. Now, that's also not to say either, by the way, that um, if you're in a place uh, where you don't 
maybe start looking for a different job. <laughs> right? Paul tells them in 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 7 uh, that after coming to Christ, let, the, let each one lead the life the Lord's assigned to him. You know, continue on as you have, but at the same time, if he gives you an opportunity for freedom, do what? Take it. Take it. It's okay. Now, uh, so again, if it's legal and moral, yeah. If it's stupid or unfair, yeah. If it's illegal or immoral, what do you do? Well, then you have to say, um, listen, I honor you, but I fear God. And I fear him more. And so I appeal to him and I, I can't do that. I can't do that. I won't do that. And the reality is then sometimes you're gonna be left with suffering some consequences. You gotta be okay with that. And God says that's a gracious thing and he, he sees that and he'll be with you through that. Not easy, <laughs> not easy, but it is right. Now let's, let's go back up and these same principles apply here when we talk about in terms of government. What about uh, civil disobedience? At what point, um, and is there a point when we we see what's happening with, with government or with an authority and, and we have to stand up and we can't follow, we can't submit. I mean, it seems like in some sense when Peter's writing here, like everything that's, that he said so far that would, would incline someone to just go along with whatever's happening and ignore injustice. But is that what Peter's saying? Um, no, he's not. We, we can't ignore injustice. It's at the heart of who God is. And yes, there are times for civil disobedience, for lack of a better phrase. In fact, um, one example, we talked about slavery earlier. You know, in the abolitionist movement, according to many scholars, um, uh, up to two-thirds of the primary leaders in that time were born-again Christians. Well, then how did they obey Peter? How, how, did, they, how did they submit to authority, which said in the South, at least, that slavery is okay, and yet they're, they're stealing people, and you know what I mean? Well, here's why I believe. Here's what I think the, the, and would argue the Bible teaches as far as it relates to submitting to authority. <clears throat> this is um, maybe a good grid to run things through. Number one, we're, submit, we're to submit to authority unless, these two things. One, it forbids us from doing what God commands. If there's an authority who forbids you from doing what God has commanded you to do, that's a time to disobey. And that's a time at the same time though, not to not still honor the emperor, but to disobey in a godly way. I didn't mean to rhyme by the way, but there you go, extra for you. Number two, it commands us, or to submit to authority unless it commands us to do what God forbids. So if you just remember commands and forbids, Keep those together. If an authority uh, commands you to do what God forbids, you're to disobey. So let's think of some examples of this. Um, it, just from around our world, even today, how about in China, if you're a young family and uh, you become pregnant with your second child and uh, the government may command you to abort the pregnancy and kill the child to enforce population control. What do you do? What do you do? Let's run it through the grid. 
they would be commanding us to do what God forbids, which is to take the life of our child, right? So I can't do that. There might be some consequences for that. But you can't do that, can you? It's a time for disobedience. Um, In the case of Peter's readers, uh, the Roman emperor would have commanded them to worship him as part of their culture, just like North Korea today. And And under Nero, at least, if you refused to, what did it result in? Death. Well, uh, so what do you do? <laughs> I mean, think about that. Like, can you imagine? Bow down and worship me or I'm going to kill you? Well, that would be, again, commanding us to do what God forbids, which is to worship anything other, anyone other than Jesus. God says that's a gracious thing. His eyes are on that. Um, what about the first one? It forbids us from doing what God commands. I wonder if you think about uh, nations uh, like China, North Korea, others, where um, what does God command us to do with his word? To read it, to study it. So if the government would say, no, it's illegal for you to have a copy of this book, like it is in many places in this world. Is it wrong for you to have a copy of this book? Well, they're forbidding you from doing what God commands. No, I think that's a time for disobedience and to have that or even as some in our church have done in the past to smuggle some in. There's examples in the Bible of this too. How about uh, Exodus uh, chapter one? You know what's happening in Exodus chapter one? The, the Israelites have been in Egypt now for 400 years and they've just grown into a huge nation and a new Pharaoh comes to power and he's afraid of all these people even though they're slaves under him. And uh, because they're growing so much, he's afraid that one day they're going to overtake him. So he commands the Hebrew midwives, uh, if, if he says, well, here, let me just read it to you. The king of Egypt, Exodus chapter one, said to the Hebrew midwives, one of whom was named Shifra, the other named Pua, that when you serve as a midwife to the Hebrew women and you see them on the birth stool, if it's a son, you shall kill him. Uh, if it's a daughter, she shall live. What do you do? What do you do? We'll run it through the grid, right? Uh, This authority in Pharaoh, he's commanding them to do something God would forbid, which is to take a human life, to kill the children, right? And so what do they do? They don't do it. They even, they, they, they say, well, uh, he's like, why are you killing them? It's all these women. They're, they're just, they're hardier than the Egyptian women. And they're just popping them out faster than we can get them. Maybe that's true. Maybe that's the story they told. But God honored that disobedience, right? Because their names are listed in the Bible. Pharaoh, only his titles listed. His name, we're not sure exactly which Pharaoh it is. How about Daniel? Uh, Daniel, on a number of occasions, he's told uh, when he gets to exile in Babylon to eat the king's food, which would have been uh, similar to even participating in like this false communion with the Chaldean god Marduk. And uh, he refuses to, and God honors him. Why? Because he was commanded to do something that God forbid. So he appealed to a higher authority. Uh, On another occasion, his buddies were told, everybody's got to bow down, worship the emperor. Again, kind of like North Korea today, maybe, right? Bow down, worship the emperor, and what do they do? Shadrach, Meshach, and Benny. They don't bow down. 
And my guess is they, they stood out in a big way. And so they're gonna be put to death in the fiery furnace and God rescues them. Daniel later, he's told to do something um, that he can't do something God commands. He's told he can't pray in Daniel chapter six to his God. What's Daniel do? He opens the, <laughs> opens the windows and gets down and prays. He's like, sorry, I have to do this. It's just, I have to. This is what God says I have to do. I've got to pray to him. And uh, Paul, let's go to the New Testament. How about Paul? From where did he write uh, many of his books, many of his letters? Ephesians, Colossians, Philemon. Where did he write them from? From prison, from jail. Why was he in prison? For doing what God commanded. He wouldn't shut up about Jesus. Uh, and then even the writer of this book, Peter. Man, Peter, do you really know what you're talking about when you say submit to authority? Peter, on a couple of occasions, practices civil disobedience in the text. One time in a godly way, one time in an ungodly way, which tells me and tells us that sometimes civil disobedience can be ungodly because we've got to run it through this grid, right? Uh, let's take the first time. On the night of Jesus' arrest in the garden, uh, Jesus was betrayed, and then what happens? They come for him, and they arrest him, and they're going to take him to crucify him, put him on trial. What does Peter do? He reaches for the sword, and then what? Cuts off the guy's ear, which means Peter was not very skilled with a sword. <laughs> I don't know anybody in a fight who goes for the ear. You go for the head. And then what does Jesus do? Does Jesus go, well done, good and faithful servant. Thank you, Peter. No, he rebukes him. He rebukes him and he heals the guy. He puts his ear back on. So in that case, uh, Peter's disobedient. I mean, that was, that was civil disobedience, wasn't it? It was. In that moment, that's what he was practicing, but it was ungodly. And that's what happens. People get very upset, very angry, very emotional about something. And they go, I'm practicing civil disobedience. I'm honoring God. Are you? You sure about that? Because not necessarily. I mean, we saw this in our own country on January 6th. And in the aftermath, I've seen so many reports of people who, uh, who, who charged into the Capitol building and said, we're doing what we believe God wanted us to do in practicing civil disobedience. Even, uh, what's the guy's name? The QAnon Shaman? That guy, you know, he's dressed up like half Braveheart, half Davy Crockett, had his face painted. Um, he, there was an interview with him that I saw this week with 60 Minutes. And uh, he, when, he, when he got into the Senate chamber, he actually stood at the, the main desk there and he prayed. And uh, he said, Heavenly Father, thank you for allowing us to get rid of the communists, the globalists, and the traitors within our government. He believed fully he was bringing God into government. Then practicing civil, but it was, it was ungodly civil disobedience, wasn't it? It was, if you need the answer. It was. But there are times for godly civil disobedience. Look at Acts chapter four, because another one of Peter's examples. Acts chapter four, uh, Peter and John are out there healing people. They get criticized and they say, uh, who did this? And they say, look, we did this in the name of Jesus, whom you crucified. 
And they say, shut up about Jesus. Quit talking about him. Their authorities told them that. What did they do? They kept talking about Jesus. And so then what happened? Well, they got arrested. And so early in chapter five, we find them in jail. And overnight, an angel uh, rescues them. And the next day, they, they're going to pull him out to put him on trial. And they go to find Peter and John. And it's like, uh, the cell's locked, but they're not there. In fact, and as they're talking, another guy comes in like, uh, they're out talking about Jesus again. <laughs> and so they go out and, and, and bring him in. And they stand before him. And, and uh, Peter and John, they say, uh, we can't do what you say. Uh, you're forbidding us from doing what God commands. He's told us to preach the word. We, we can't obey men. We've got to preach Jesus. And we're going to continue to. Well, then as you read, what happens at the end of chapter five is they beat them and they sent them on their way. And what did Peter and John do? They rejoiced. And what do the people do when they get back with them? They rejoiced. Why? Because they suffered alongside Jesus for obeying him, for appealing to that authority. And I have a feeling Peter had that event of his life completely in mind then as he's writing here in 1 Peter chapter two, where he says, be, be subject to your masters with all respect, not only to the good and gentle, but also to the unjust. For this is a gracious thing when mindful of God, one endures sorrows while suffering. For what credit is it if when you sin and are beaten for it, you endure? If when you're beaten for sinning, you endure. But then he says this, and I, I, he had to have been thinking about his own experience. But if when you do good and suffer for it, you endure, this is a gracious thing in the sight of God. So, um, friends, in, in saying all this, Peter tells us we are to submit to authority and to do good. But the times that we uh, disobey that or when we're commanded to do something God forbids or forbid to do something God commands. And even then, in the way that we might disobey, we need to do it in such a way that we still obey scripture, which says to honor the emperor, to honor those who are in authority. And their actions may not make them worthy of honor, but the fact that God put them in that place of authority, Paul told us in Romans 13, makes them worthy of honor and respect. So submit to authority, do good. And what's, what's awesome is that God never tells us to do something that Jesus himself didn't do. Jesus is our example. He's our example in this. Submit to authority and do good just like Jesus. See, uh, verse 21, for to this you've been called because Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example so that you might follow in his steps. He committed no sin. There's a big difference though between Jesus and us, right? Neither was deceit found in his mouth. When he was reviled, he didn't revile in return. He didn't use his freedom. I mean, he had, he had actually every right to revile, but he didn't. When he suffered, he didn't threaten, but continued entrusting himself to him who judges justly. Jesus himself submitted to authority. He submitted to the authority of his father, a good authority. He even submitted himself to unjust authority who put him to death. 
He continued entrusting himself to him who judges justly. But even when he submitted to unjust authority and suffered, uh, he, can, he always responded by doing good. He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. This verse, I challenge you to memorize it this month. 1 Peter chapter 2, uh, verse 24. It's the gospel in a nutshell. We could, we could have a whole message just on this verse. Jesus bore our sins, and this is the gospel, in his body on the tree that we might die to sin. It's not who we are anymore. Put that aside and live to righteousness. By his wounds, you've been healed. For you were straying like sheep, but have now returned to the shepherd and the overseer of your souls. He's a good authority who we submit to ultimately. And even at times who calls us to submit to unjust authority because it's a gracious thing in his sight. Now, uh, as we wrap up, let me just say this. Um, <clears throat> if you find yourself in a situation though where um, in submitting to authority does not mean blind obedience. If you find yourself in a spot where you're under threat, you're being abused physically, verbally, sexually, whatever that is, that is not okay. That is not a time to submit. Don't run that through this grid. Just know that's wrong. You've been sinned against. And it's right for you to get out. And if you need help with that, listen, you are loved. We love you, Jesus loves you. And as best we can, we will help you in that. Let us know, let me know. That's not okay. I, I know that maybe hearing this, anybody who might find themselves in that spot might hear this and say, oh, I guess I'm just stuck. God says, submit to authority. Listen, that's in an entirely different class. That's not okay. And uh, we would love to help you. Amen? Let me pray. We're gonna call it a morning and we're gonna sing. Let me pray.